Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I'm sure glad to see you today. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, well done. After the last couple of days, I think you're all well done, aren't you? Hope this week you got everything done outside you needed to get done. You're just out in that 100 degree heat. Just working up a storm. Amen. But I hear there's a, I hear it's going to be a lot nicer tomorrow. Isn't that good? But uh, hey, who's complaining? Lord's good. The snow will be flying before you know it. All right. I've got some fans up here. Snow will be flying and the Arnolds will be in Florida and we'll all be jealous. I saw somebody in, uh, going through McDonald's the other day. It was 100 degrees outside, and their license plate was Florida. And I said, oh, they come up here to get out of the heat. <laughs> yeah. Our ushers are going to wait upon you for our Sunday school offering. Give us unto the Lord. If you don't have a booklet or uh, our discipleship student uh, book, uh, of course, we ordered those some time ago, but if you're here today and you're a guest, I'd rather you have one, be able to follow along, or if you uh, didn't happen to get one, just raise your hand, let an usher know, and we can get you a student book. Okay, Beth back there uh, needs one. Sister Teresa, if you want to hand it to an usher, give it to Brother Andy. He can take, or maybe you can take it back there. All right, very good, Teresa. My goodness. She decided to get out of her chair on a Sunday. Boy, we're having a revival. <laughs> I heard today also that we have uh, some folks that are displaying their calling. They are, they are being used of God in a very special way. The Jennings are, are being used of God in a very special way. Yeah, very much so. I heard today, Brother Croto, good to have the Crotos here today, Jeremy and Nancy and their family pastoring in Centerville, Iowa, and we're glad that they are here. We'll say more about that later, but I heard Brother Nathan brought Jeremy this morning early to the church, and he was telling him, now this is our church, and our pastor's office is right down there, and be sure and go down there, and he said, now when you go in, be sure and say, roll tide. <laughs> so we're signed, some of you not sure what that means, but uh, we're going to sign Brother Jennings up to our hospitality team. Sounds like a great host. Amen. In fact, I think y'all just drive the buses early on Sunday and, and then play the drums and then take all the kids home and then pick up all the chairs and put them up. No, <laughs> Thank you for being a great host today, Brother Nathan. Uh, of course, Jeremy is too scared to come in and say Roll Tide. No, I'm teasing. Oh, that's a little private joke, you know. So let's get out of the private jokes. That's not good for anybody here, but... Uh, let me make a few announcements. Next Sunday, everybody say next Sunday. Uh, we're having a wonderful time in gospel singing. Of course, we, we're going to sing and worship the Lord, but the Wilbanks family will be here next Sunday. They've traveled for years and years, and, and they are anointed singers and anointed by God. And uh, you'll be blessed next Sunday by being in the house of the Lord. They're going to be in, in, in uh, service with us, and they're going to be taking the main portion of the main service, and they'll be singing and worshiping God. We're believing the Lord to minister to us in song. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. 
And then Sunday, August the 4th, which is quickly approaching, uh, we're having a back-to-school uh, prayer time on Sunday afternoon, uh, August the 4th, from 5 to 6. So be mindful of that. And then also there'll be a lot of announcements that will appear on the screen between the services today. Uh, also, there are uh, all the upcoming events are on the website, aos.church. Also, let me just mention a couple of very important things. Youth Congress meeting immediately after service in the kids' church room, which is right here to your left. Uh, and then uh, the, our Carlisle preaching point, our service today is at 2.30. We'd love for some of you to be a part of that and uh, go over there and support in that. Somebody say amen. I want us to pray together today. The Word of God is powerful. Amen. It's like bread. Somebody say amen. I'm praying the Lord feeds us today. I believe He wants to say something to us. Amen. So let's bow together and pray. Lord, thank You for this day, the privilege we have to be in church this morning. God, in this class, in this time together, I pray that You would have Your way. I pray that You would do Your work. Speak to us, Lord, in a powerful way in our own individual lives today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Now, we are on, uh, in our discipleship project. And this, this quarter, the series is The Great I Am. And we are on lesson three, if you're following along in your student book. And today, we are going to look at a very, very important aspect of who Jesus is. We heard he's the great I am. He said before Abraham was, I am. Uh, and then uh, today we're going to look at I am the bread of life. Everybody say that. I am the bread of life. Let's say that one more time. I am the bread of life. Uh, I started to give everybody a roll today, but you've already had biscuits we should have just made extra and had you bring one in the class with you because we're going to talk about bread. We're going to talk about bread. Uh, Solomon made a very interesting statement in the book of Proverbs. I preached about it uh, many times. And in this verse, uh, Solomon says, All the labor of man is for his mouth, yet he's never filled. All of a man's work is for his appetite, yet he's never Satisfied, never filled. Amen. How many know what that scripture's saying? You can, you can say, you know what, I've been down that road. I've tried to fill life with all kind of things. I've worked hard for things and it just didn't satisfy. Got any witnesses here today? I mean, we, I'm speaking today to people that are post-alcoholics, post drug addicts, and, and that's the whole nature of addiction. You know, if, you, if alcohol was going to supply your need, it would seem like that, you know, you get high or you get drunk, your, your need is supplied. But you've got to stay drunk. So, so the very thing you desire uh, is the thing that creates that uh, coping behavior, that addictive practice. All your work is for your mouth for the way you feel or what you feel like you've got to feed, yet you're never satisfied. Amen. That's why a drug addict will go from smoking blunts to shooting heroin up under their toenails. How do you go from smoking blunts and marijuana to shooting heroin under your toenails? 
because you've destroyed your veins trying to be satisfied. And all the labor of man is for his mouth, for his appetite, yet he's, he never finds satisfaction. Solomon said it. Uh, he's getting old and, you know, he's getting older and he said, he talks about life and he says that uh, all is vanity, all is vain. There's, there's not much use for anything. Uh, those are very depressing words. Uh, I'm glad I know the Lord today. didn't change life, he changed my life, but he didn't change life because people still die that I love, people still get bad doctor's reports that I love, and people still lose their jobs that I love, my body's doing crazy things now that I'm 56, and, and uh, you know, when I started serving Jesus, he didn't say, okay, now your life's going to be perfect, and that's going to be the testimony that I'm going to leave the world, that if you serve me, your life will be perfect. no. We're troubled on every side. Men's days are few and full of trouble. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but God is real in our lives. He's faithful. He makes the difference. And through Him, I find satisfaction. I find peace. I find security. Somebody say amen. So we're talking about the bread of life. And our text today is John 6, 35. So uh, go in your student books and follow along. We're going to share a number of things today. Uh, John 6, 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never... Wow. Never hunger. I'd like for that to sink in. In fact, I'd like to jump right to the message today. What is, what is it that you're hungry for? What is it that you keep feeding that never gets fed? Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. If you come to me, you'll never be hungry. If you believe on me, you'll never be thirsty. Those are big words. Those are challenging words to us, right? Amen. I'll tell you, it's a Bible story. Uh, you'll probably pick it up pretty quick. You, you'll recognize it. There was great tension in the people of God. There was, um, use an old uh, nautical term, there was mutiny in the air. People were disgruntled, upset, mad. And you know why? They had nothing to eat. You want to see somebody desperate? Let them get real hungry. Amen? Uh, somebody said, well, I can't fast, Pastor. I get hungry. Uh, yeah, you know, that, that's the whole point. No. It'd be wonderful if you could fast and not get hungry. <laughs> we, we'll talk about that on another time. People were disgruntled and mad because they had nothing to eat. And when they had nothing to eat, they, desperation took over. Desperation took over. They start talking about what they're going to do next. They start talking about decisions. We got to make a decision because we're out of food. We're not, we're not, there's no way for us to eat. My children are crying. They can't go to sleep. Uh, and at some point, they all made a decision. We're going to go back to Egypt. And why? And why? Food. Food. 
Remind me what they were doing in Egypt? Slaves. What was their occupation? Brick makers. Gather straw and make bricks. Think about the 100 degree weather we've experienced here the last few days. Think about working from daylight to dark in that. Think about what you would endure, what you would put up with just so you could have three square. Think about decisions you would make just so you don't have to worry about being hungry anymore. Uh Uh-oh. You're not sure what I'm saying? Let me say it this way. Think about the decisions you're making because you don't want to be lonely. Think about the decisions you're making because you want to fit in. And some people are willing to go back to intense captivity just so they're satisfied. This is what I want and I'll endure anything to have it. Wow. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. (laughs) The issue is not, well, what are you eating? The issue is the hunger. The issue is the hunger and the thirst. And Jesus said, I'm the solution to the hunger and the thirst. Those people had no food. In fact, Moses pondered the situation. He had compelled Pharaoh to let them go. Ten miserable plagues had softened Pharaoh up. Those ex-slaves had fled Egypt in a mad rush, happy, excited, but a few problems arise. A few things happened that we didn't expect. We thought we were God's children. We thought he liked us. I mean, look what he did to Pharaoh, and now here we are standing in the face of a Red Sea. Think about it. Our expectations. I thought the Lord loved me. If he loved me, he'd keep doing what I want. And I wanted to get out of Egypt, but I didn't want to get out this way. They fled. They were happy. They were focused on escape. The Lord brought them through the Red Sea. Somebody say amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he's talking about me. Yeah, the Lord brought you through. The Lord brought you through the water. <laughs> now they're in the wilderness on their own route to a land flowing with milk and honey. They're going to a better place. But right now they're in a wilderness. And their leader is trying to... <laughs> Bless his heart. That's all a good southern man can say about Moses. Bless his heart. Moses, frankly, had not given much thought to wilderness survival skills. Especially with a couple million hikers. I just went to the Boundary Waters and there was four of us fellas. And you start thinking about what you're going to eat for a week. And you start talking about everything, you t- everything you're going to eat. You've got to pack in. <laughs> and you start trying to figure out how much you need. And, and uh, for four people, you know, that, that, uh, 
Especially when the guys you're going with said, we want gumbo, we want crawfish etouffee, and we want jambalaya. <laughs> I said, well, guess what? I'm going to have a pretty heavy pack. You start thinking about four guys who are out in the middle of the woods needing supper. You know, I put together some, uh, you know, my pack was pretty heavy. Think of a couple million people. I'm not talking about a church dinner. I'm not talking about 200 people. I'm not talking about 8,000. Think about serving this entire city a meal, the logistics for that. Think about starting a soup kitchen and not knowing how many to expect and all of a sudden 8,000 show up. We're going to raid Walmart. I mean, we're going to have a train of grocery carts. Right? Thinking of feeding that many people. The logistics of this massive crew is exasperating. No food distribution network, no 18-wheelers, no roadside fruit stand, no supermarket, no Walmart, just a vast desert and two-plus million hungry people. Wow. Impossible. Aaron and Moses looked out at an angry, volatile mob. Things had reached a flashpoint. In fact, Moses and Aaron, their lives were actually now in danger. When you start messing with somebody's table and their kids, bless God, I'll kill the preacher if it means keeping my kids happy. Uh Uh-oh, I'm preaching to you now. Uh Uh-oh, some of you don't need to fill in any blanks. You just need to write that down. And Moses, the Bible tells us they're, they're about to rise up and kill Moses and Aaron. And in that moment, Moses hears a familiar voice. And guess who it was? It was the Lord and he's got something to say. And Moses knew if anybody could get them out of this predicament, two plus million hungry people and a a mob that's moved uh, to murderous intent, if anybody knew what to say, it would be the Lord. And you know what the Lord said? The Lord said, Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you tomorrow. Man, thank you, Jesus. I'm sure Moses was relieved. They wouldn't need to hunt for food. They wouldn't have to worry about it. Their meals would come down like rain showers on a hot summer day instead of raining cats and dogs like it was April and May. It would pour down, listen to this, birds and bread. Now, if you've never been a bird hunter and you've never had a good uh, quail hunt, oh, well, all right. You don't know what you're missing. But anyway, you're missing a lot of lead shot. When I was a kid, that's what you're missing, spitting lead. (laughs) Boy, this is great. (laughs) Anyway. Back then it was lead. They said, oh, just eat it. It won't hurt you. That's why my kids are crazy, though. Anyway. The Lord answered them, and their dilemma... The answer to their dilemma arrived in grand style. Think about it. Just in time for supper, the Bible tells us that flocks of migrating quail 
fell into the camp. Fell. No shotguns, no bird shot. They fell in the camp. Now think about how many quail, I don't know if you know, these are not steroid quails. These, these are not chickens you get that you wonder how they got that big. These are not the chickens Dale Burner raised that go to sleep in the feed trough. <laughs> that all they do is eat. <laughs> quails are not big. In fact, a good strapping young man uh, like Brother Aaron Tipsord could probably eat uh, half a dozen to a dozen. And that's not saying he's overeating. They're, they're little. They're a couple of bites and they're gone. Cook them crispy, eat them, eat them whole. Just How about two million hungry people? How many quail just fall out of the sky? They just fall out of the sky. Listen, I know this is a Bible story and you've heard it ever since you were two years of, of age. But we miss the point of this. We've heard it so long it doesn't register anymore. I want to tell some of you today, you're that hungry in your life. You, you have gotten that hungry just like those people. And God is able to supply your need. I'm Just like he rained birds from the sky, Jesus is able to do that for you. Oh, I know what you're thinking. Oh, I'm going to quit my job and sit on the back porch and just wait for a cow to walk up and fall over. No, even better, he's going to rain T-bones and they're just all going to fall on my deck. No, that's not what I'm talking about. In fact, uh, this is out of the ordinary. This is not in the notes, so if I could get the AV folks, if you could get me Deuteronomy 8.3, I want to show you something. I don't even know if we're going to get to all those fill in the blanks, but I felt this scripture on my heart today with this lesson. I want you to look at it. Deuteronomy 8.3. Deuteronomy 8.3. And I want you to read it with me. This is why they got in the wilderness and this is why they ran out of beefsteak and this is why they had no more food. Moses is telling God's people, God humbled you and suffered you to hunger. so that he could feed you with manna. You didn't know it, neither did your fathers know it, but this is the reason God put you in the wilderness and you ran out of food. This is why you ran out of food, is so that God could feed you. Now I want that to settle on you for a minute. Think of all the stuff you're running out of and you think because of it, you're forsaken. But God says, I put Israel in the wilderness out of food so that they'd look to me. Well, Brother Gene, you have no idea how lonely I am, how hurt I am, how bad I feel. Yeah, and you are there. The only reason you are there. I know it doesn't make sense and you say, how could God do that? But the Bible says God put them there so that he could feed them so that they may know that you're only fed by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. I put you there so that you'd know I'm your answer. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Some of you are in a test right now and you're missing the point. 
Well, God didn't answer my prayer because all I wanted was a couple of T-bones. All I wanted was to have enough money where I wouldn't have to worry anymore. Oh, you know what? You're never satisfied. You get a million dollars, you won't be satisfied. It's like a man said a few weeks ago and I heard it and I never forgot it and I thought, unless I get Alzheimer's, I'll never forget it. He said, you know, no matter where you go, there you are. I keep thinking I need to go to Florida, Joyce, but when I get to Florida, I am there. And I drug all my baggage with me. All my hungers with me. All my worries with me. I mean, I know Clyde and LaDonna run off to Florida and they probably think, you know, we won't have to worry about the farm anymore. But the farm's not a place. It's, it's you. That's the crazy thing about life. No matter where I go, there I am. And I want to tell you something, good students of the word today. We haven't filled in one blank in your notes. But I want to say this. I figured out by studying this lesson this week that God has made me hungry at times to see what I would go to to feed it. To see what I'd turn to to fix it. Oh, if I do this, that'll fix that forever. Oh, no, I just magnify the problem. I've lived long enough to know that when I try to fix it, it only makes it worse. Somebody's going to get hurt bad. I might murder somebody. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? The Lord rained quail down. And for breakfast the next day, they found an unusual substance laying on the ground. It was a sweet wafer that tasted like honey and coriander. Now that's a pretty good herb if you hadn't cooked with it. It's a pretty good taste. Honey and coriander. They called it manna. And manna means, anybody know what manna means? What is it? That's what it means. What is it? They didn't even know what it was. But I want to tell you, for 40 years, every morning, six days a week, what is it was laying on the ground. I know you asked for melons in Egypt and onions and leeks, but you're going to get what is it for the next 40 years. Along with free food, the Lord administered an exam to test the Israelites' faith. Listen to this. God's provision always comes with an exam. A test. Everybody say a test. A test. He's, it's so simple. I mean, it's not a big deal, is it? Not, not a big deal. The test is not a big deal. I just want to test you and make sure that you keep your spirit right. And you know what the test was? Six days I'm going to feed you. And on the sixth day, you gather twice as much. And on the seventh day, I don't want you doing anything. I just want you to rest. I want you to eat and rest. Woo! How simple is the test? How simple is the test to prove that you're the one feeding us, oh God, that we're not insecure, that the same food that was here Saturday 
it's going to be here Monday. One day it doesn't show up. Uh-oh, I'm worried. Do you think he forgot? No. He said, I'm going to test you this way. That I'm going I'm to see if you'll prove me. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Your job, your health insurance, your Christmas bonus, your wage increase. It's not a big test. It's just your first fruit. Just, just the tenth. I want to see what you'll do first. It's not a big deal. You do that and I'll bless the other 90% in you. Oh, anybody hearing what I'm preaching now? See, you thought this lesson was about the bread of life. It is. It's about God satisfying us. And that satisfaction always comes with a test. Because you're going to be put in a position to either make manna your God or the supplier of the manna your God <laughs> that's the lesson that's the lesson you're either going to make bread your God or the supplier of all good and perfect things somebody say amen turn to your neighbor and tell him I think he's going to get to the lesson at some point There's a New Testament connection to this story I just read. It's in John chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. John 6 reflects a series of three episodes. This is in your notes, so follow along. John 6 reflects a series of three episodes culminating in a profound lesson on discipleship. Everybody say lesson on discipleship. Three things happen in John 6. Boy, I don't want to read the whole thing. I'm I'm already, but let, let me just cut to the chase. First thing that happened, Jesus feeds 5,000 hungry people. Remember that? Second thing, he goes walking on the water. Third thing, he delivers an incredible message about the bread of life. Okay, let's talk about these things. Uh, In John 6, in the first part of that chapter, there's a great multitude that followed. Why? Because of the miracles. Listen, listen, listen quick. There's a huge group of people and the Bible tells us it's 5,000 men not counting women and children. And the Bible tells us the reason they are there is because of the miracles. Oh, if we had miracles, our church would grow. Yeah, Jesus is dead too. Yeah, and it doesn't mean we shouldn't have miracles. Everybody okay? He fed that crowd with five loaves and two fishes, knowing why they were there. They were there because they were going to receive a miracle. The Bible tells us that when that's over, the disciples get into a boat. Jesus goes because of the miracles. They throng around him. He goes into into the mountain alone. And the disciples go across the sea. And the Bible tells us in the middle of that sea, they run into a storm. You know what happens? What Jesus comes what? Walking on the water. He climbs into the boat. And as soon as he gets into the boat, the Bible says there was a great calm. The Bible tells us that when they get on the other side, the Bible says that those, that multitude knew that the disciples had left in the boat, but they knew Jesus had not gone with them. But when they follow the disciples and they see Jesus with them, they're amazed that he's there. They don't know how he got there. Everybody okay? 
Then the Bible says, Jesus says to that multitude who had been fed earlier, and now they realized he got here some other way than a boat. The Bible says, then Jesus said to them, you seek me because I fed you and you were full. You come to church just because I put you in a nice house and I gave you a pretty decent vehicle. You're here because of what I gave you and it satisfied you. Uh Uh-oh, I'm preaching to you today. I thought this was a class. What sign can you show us? Jesus said, you're here because I fed you. And they said, you know, what what sign can you show us that we may see it and believe? Finally believe. Finally believe that you are almighty God. You are the Messiah. And they make this statement. What sign can you show us that we may see it and believe? They said, God gave our fathers bread in the wilderness. You've got to be kidding me. They're one day past a church buffet. No cost. Potluck dinner. They're one day past a potluck dinner. And now, by pressure, they're trying to get him to do it again. What sign can you show us that we will see it and believe? Oh, by the way, God gave our fathers bread in the wilderness. You see the the inference here? Give us one more meal and we'll believe. Give us one more happy meal. I want to tell you right now, if this church feeds the hungry, it's not food that's going to make people believe. Should we feed? Oh, absolutely. Should we clothe? Absolutely. Should we help people in destitution? Absolutely. But I want to tell you, food is never going to make anybody believe. Oh, if I'm nice enough, they'll believe Jesus. Look, they didn't do it with Jesus standing there in shoe leather. They got a free meal the day before. And now they're asking for one more sign. Isn't that... I don't know how many miracles I've had in my life. I don't know how many things God has done for me. And yet there's still doubt. Come to church and sit there like a bump on a log. That's why I get, you say, oh yeah, well you're the preacher. You got to say that. I'm not going to waste my minute here today. I'm going to worship God. You know why? Because he's been good to me. Not because he fed me today. Not because I don't have any pain today. No, but he's, he's, he's given me miraculous interventions at times in my life. I'm not here asking for another one. I'm just here knowing that he's my provider. He's my God. He's going to make, he's going to take care of me just like I care for my children. He's going to care for me. Oh, come on, clap your hands to the Lord. And Jesus, help us. It's six minutes after 10. Give us one more sign that we may see it and believe it. Oh, by the way, God gave our fathers bread. After our text, the Bible says they murmured because Jesus said to them, when they said, uh, uh, God gave our fathers bread, Jesus said to them, I'm your bread. Wait a minute, yesterday, he act, Brother Pate, yesterday he actually gave them bread. Now they're asking for bread again, and he says, oh, 
I'm your bread. See, this is where a soup kitchen comes in. Somebody walks in and we said, here's your first meal of bread. But if, if you miss the next point, that Jesus is your bread tomorrow. I'm your bread. They said, we want another meal. Jesus said, I'm your bread. You've had enough meals. You saw it yesterday. Somebody say amen. They argued among themselves, how can this man give us flesh to eat? We're hungry and he says he's our bread. I want to read something to you. John 6, 58 through 66. It's not in your notes, but I just want to read it. Jesus said, I'm your bread. They came saying, we want another meal. We had one yesterday. Amazing, but we want to see one more. Show us one more and we'll believe. And Jesus said, no, no, I'm your bread. In verse 58, this is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. That's important words. Everybody okay? Your fathers ate that bread God gave them and they're dead. I can feed you every day and you'll die. But he that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Now what do you want? You want one hot meal a day and die? Or do you want the bread that if you eat it, you'll live forever? It's your choice. Look at this. These things said he in the synagogue. Everybody say in the synagogue. In the church house. Uh Uh-oh. Verse 60. Many therefore of his disciples when they heard this said this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? You know, isn't that amazing? You go to church to hear hear soft stuff. Simple stuff. Easy stuff. Easy belief stuff. Preacher, you shouldn't say that. That's hard. Huh? Jesus went in the church and said something tough. Amazing. Wow. To be like Jesus. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said, are you offended? You upset? I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's things I've said in the pulpit that people got offended over. There's things I said that offended me. And you think, I'm, you think I'm joking. No, there's hard things that through the anointing of the Spirit, the preacher says, that even is offensive to him. How? I said that and I can't even do that. Uh-oh. It offended me. Jesus knew they were offended. And then he says... What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? Is it the Spirit that quickeneth? It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are Spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believe not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore said I unto for this reason I said unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. Listen, 
From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Now, if Jesus can't hold them, who am I to think that if I make people happy enough, they'll stay here? How can the church grow beyond about 50 or 60 if we're just going to keep everybody happy? You can't even keep the four in your house happy. How, you can't keep all your kids happy. How can we have a growing church if our motive is to keep everybody happy? Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm glad he's preaching about you today. Dear Lord, help us. I got five minutes to finish this lesson and you know how long it is because you got a student book. F.F. Bruce said this in a book he wrote, Hard Sayings of Jesus. He calls this portion of the scripture, John 6, the original hard saying because Jesus said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. Bruce explains that Jesus' sayings are often hard because they run counter or opposite to well-entrenched presuppositions and traditional assumptions about life and human relations. Let me give you an example of what I just said. You're not sure what I said? Let me give you an example. Jesus' hard sayings runs contrary to what we expect. I always expected my dad was going to pray through in a church service down at an altar with me laying my hands on him, talking in tongues, shaking and jumping around. It didn't happen that way. If it happened at all, it didn't happen that way. But Jesus being my bread means that there's some hard things that maybe will come up that I don't expect. I didn't expect my home to break up. I didn't expect to be out of a job. I didn't expect to battle cancer. And the list goes on and on. But Jesus said, if this is just about me giving you bread every day, you're going to die. But if you let me be your bread, I know you get cancer, you lose your job, your wife walks out, I know. But if you let me be your bread, you'll never be hungry. No, you're not hearing me. I'm preaching to somebody today. I, sh I should be teaching. I should be following this little outline. But somebody needs to hear what their pastor's saying today. You're so hungry, you're about to make a crazy decision. Crazy. Because this will fix it. Oh, no. It'll never fix it. Because Jesus is the bread. Let's give the Lord a good hand clap. Uh, Lord, you're going to have to help me. Okay. Let's take these real quick. I don't even, man. I want to read a couple of verses. Let's, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter ye at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in at that gate because. Did you hear that? That word's very important. It didn't say and. 
It didn't say wide is the gate that leads to destruction and many go that way. And narrow is the gate that leads to life and few there be the fact. It doesn't say that. It says because there's a reason people are on a broad path going through a wide gate to destruction. It is because narrow is the way. It's because. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. This generation doesn't like that. This culture doesn't like that. There's all kind of ways to heaven. Buddha's a way. Krishna's a way. Meditation's a way. The environment's a way. It's real narrow to say, Jesus is the way. And because of that, because of that, people are going in the wide gate. They don't like a narrow. Narrow because straight is the gate and narrow is the way. Few there be that find it. What an indictment. Help us, Lord. I want to grow in church. I want people to be saved. But the fact of the matter is, if you're going to be saved, you're going to go in the straight gate and you're going to walk the narrow way. So let's move real quick. Let's take a closer look at these three scenes. We're going to move very fast. In the first episode in John 6, Jesus performed a sign by feeding 5,000 people. That's what you need to write in your notes. He fed 5,000 people on a mountain near the Sea of Tiberias. Those who were there were convinced Jesus was a great prophet foretold by Moses. Uh, in the second episode... In John 6, Jesus miraculously walked on the surface of the water, calmed a storm, and instantly conveyed, uh, conveyed the disciples' boat to the shore. That's quite a motor. That's better than an Evinrude 25. He got in the boat. Not only did he calm the storm, but instantly they were on the shore. Now that's moving it. The storm echoes this, uh, this story, both of these stories, the feeding of the 5,000 the day before and Jesus calming the storm and putting the boat on the shore it gives echoes of the parting of the Red Sea and Israel crossing on dry ground. He's just given them a picture of what God did for their fathers. He fed them in the wilderness and then he parted the waters. And they get over there and they say, show us one more miracle. I've already showed you everything I showed you fathers. I gave them food and I parted the waters. And they said, show us one more thing. In that final episode in John 6, recounts the extended debate on the other side of the sea concerning the true significance of Jesus' feeding miracle. In other words, the reason he fed them was to show them something just like he fed the Israelites to show them something. Amen. The crowd followed seeking more food. Maybe a lifetime supply of free lunches rather than spiritual, true spiritual satisfaction. Maybe that's what they need. It'd be much easier just to give them free lunch every day than to get them to understand a spiritual truth. 
Uh, Oh yeah, it'd be much easier just to feed them free lunch every day than to tell them Jesus really is the Lord of everything and the source of all their satisfaction. It's easier to feed them than it is for them to grasp this truth. Their seemingly inability to distinguish between perishable food that satisfies for a moment and spiritual food that lasts for eternal life, they could not make that distinction. John 6, 26, Jesus answered then them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat the loaves and were filled. That's why you're here. You're here for another handout. Verse 27, labor not for, that, for, for the meat which perisheth. Work not for the meat that perishes, but for the meat which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father's seal. Verse 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. I'm so glad to be in church today. I know, I had a sausage McMuffin with egg today and it was pretty good. But I'm gonna feast on something better than that today in the house of God. He's my bread. By, reminding, by them reminding Jesus of how their fathers were fed, they're strongly hinting that Jesus supplied them one more meal. But Jesus is not some cosmic vending machine designed to serve instant snacks to a here today, gone tomorrow fan club. no. And you're in that fan club because you want a cosmic vending machine that when you need something, you go put your quarter in, you pull the lever and you get what you want. That's what you think Jesus is. And that's what they wanted. They wanted a vending machine designed to serve them instant satisfaction every day. But he knew how fast that would come and go. He said, oh no, you're not here because of me. You're here because of what I gave you. Why am I at church today? Why am I here today? Why am I serving Jesus today? I think you need to ask yourself that question. Jesus drove home the point by asserting that not only was he the bread of life, but his disciples would have to feed continuously on that bread in order to live forever. Listen, you gotta feed on him continuously. John 6, 54, Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. (laughs) Wow, that's some freaky preaching there. Interpreted literally, this eating and drinking saying was nothing short of preposterous if you interpret that literally. Listen, oh, we got to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Guess what? Jesus is not here anymore. How much flesh does he have? How much blood does he have? So it's obvious he's not talking literal, but they took it that way. And you know what? We are too. We are too. Yes, we are. Because I'm talking to somebody today that's saying in your mind, that's good for you to say, Pastor, that Jesus is the bread. But that doesn't fix my heart. That doesn't fix my feelings. 
That didn't fix my wife griping at me. Uh-oh. That didn't fix the doctor's report. No, see, that's you're, you're think, you think that God is the, the vending machine. And you're going to pull this plug and get your healing. You're going to pull this plug and get your wife perfect. You're going to pull this plug and have all your heart taken care of. Yeah, see, we're doing it too. We're taking it literally. Well, I can't eat his flesh and drink his blood. That won't fix anything. No, he's not talking literally. He's talking about what you feel satisfies you. Somebody say amen. The Jewish congregation reacted in horror. How can this man say that in our church? Wow, that was theatrical. We're going to kick him out. You can't say that kind of stuff in the pulpit. Out of frustration, they dismissed him altogether. And the Bible says it, that many of them from that day forward, I ain't going to listen to that guy. There's been people come to this church that have been asked, where have you been? Why, why haven't you come back? And they say, they, literally, I'm, I'm not teasing. They said, I can get more stuff at the other church. Well, sorry, we're not a vending machine. <laughs> yeah. I'm either here for Jesus or I'm wasting my time. I, I mean, that, that gravy was awesome today. But if you're here for the gravy, I got a wonderful, hopeful, encouraging message for you today. If you're here for the gravy, you're going to die. How's that for encouragement? In fact, you may die because of what the gravy does to you. How's that? That's not going to save you. When you're laying in the hospital calling for the pastor to come pray for you, I'm not going to say, no, I ain't coming because you ate gravy every Sunday. You want me to pray and you wouldn't stop eating that fat. Sometimes you feel like saying that. So I say, Pastor, my legs are killing me. Well, mine would too if I, well, never mind. No, I'm serious. You say, well, wait a minute. We won't got this vendor. Woo, God, give me what I want. I'm going to keep eating what I want. But God, if you'll do what I want. I don't know if you've noticed today or not, but I've been challenged by this lesson. That there have been times in life when I wanted it a certain way. <laughs> and it didn't happen that way. And I had to battle through it. And I had to walk through it and storm through it and struggle through it. But looking back, I realized, you know what? I'm, I'm really thankful I didn't get it my way. Because I see now what God was doing. He's my joy. He's my peace. He's better to me than a hundred fathers. I want to tell you what. There's girlfriends I cried over in my bedroom that I thank God today that Jesus ignored me. I was so hurt. She liked somebody else. You gotta be kidding me, God. Thank God he ignored me. 
like any good father, he probably grinned and bless his heart. (laughs) F.F. Bruce notes, there are two kinds of hard sayings. Listen, two kinds of hard sayings. There are some which are hard to understand and there are some which are only too easy to understand. They're so easy we can't figure them out. They're either too hard to figure out or they're too easy to figure out. And when this saying of Jesus is fully grasped, it remains difficult because it challenges us to a radical belief and trust that transcends a petty nonchalant or casual commitment to following Jesus. I want to tell you something, saints. God is not looking for petty, casual commitments. He's raising up soldiers. This is boot camp. It calls all would-be disciples to feed on Him, to digest His words, to incorporate Jesus deeply into their hearts, into their worldview, into their lifestyle choices. Well, what's wrong with this? You don't get it. Wait. Well, if Jesus is a vending machine, you want to pick and choose your lifestyle also. Oh, I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I think I'll be that, and I think I'll be that. <sighs> Wait a minute. If Jesus is the bread for your life, if he came and said, I've said it a hundred times, and you look at me kind of quizzically like, that's nuts. That's the nice version. I said, I love him so much, I can't do without him so much. That if he came and said, okay, I want you to stand on your head against that wall and I want you to spit out wooden nickels. You know what I'd do? I'd go to my woods today and I'd eat as much wood as I could eat. Because the Lord said, I want you to spit out wooden nickels. I don't know how I'd make wooden nickels, but I think it would start by eating a bunch of wood. And you say, that's kind of good. No, what I'm saying to you is he's my Lord. And if he said, quit wearing that expensive belt, well, who are you to tell me what kind of belt I'm going to wear? I think I'm going to get a holster next week. I'll show you. Yeah, see, you don't get the point. You don't get the point. If he came down today and said, hey, I want you to shave, you're a little too proud, shave all your hair off. Well, who are you to tell me? I like my hair. I know these are little examples of stuff that doesn't matter, right? Right? Yeah, but that's the point. Jesus said, until I become everything to you, you're going to miss it. Even your lifestyle. Am I okay? With adequate food, we might survive for decades. (laughs) Some of it's killing some of you. But without spiritual sustenance, sustenance that is only found in Jesus, guess what? We will not experience eternal life. So let me ask you a question. Do you want to live seven decades? Only? Keep eating what you're eating. But if you want to live forever, you have to change your diet. 
I'm not talking about start eating veggies and fruits and that's going to change. No, I'm not talking about what you put in your mouth. It's not what goes in your mouth that defiles a man. It's what comes out of him that defiles him. If you're going to live forever, you've got to change your diet. Though there are many transformative ways to apply Jesus' bread of life teaching, we must actively seek out and draw from his spiritual nourishment. Everybody say spiritual nourishment. I close with this. Man, it, you, <laughs> there are some of you that pray, God, give us miracles today in this service. Let me tell you, you just experienced one. We got done with this lesson in the last seven minutes. Say what you want, but I'm telling, huh? I don't know which blank you got. What, which blank is it? I just said that one. You weren't listening. Uh-oh, that's a hard saying. That's a hard, don't be offended. Don't be offended. Hard saying. I think I just said that one, didn't I? Yeah, that one. They did, oh, they didn't put it up there. That's what it was. You're not listening. You're just looking for the screen up there. You're just watching the movie. That's all you're here for. Well, I'm teasing. Everybody say spiritual nourishment. Some of you were waiting on it too. There it is. Thank you. Uh, though there are many transformative ways to apply Jesus' bread of life teaching, we must actively seek out and draw from his spiritual nourishment. Listen, how do I do that? Prayer. Prayer. What is prayer? It's communicating with Jesus by listening and speaking. And he wants to say something to me. If, if he's going to be my bread, I need to pray. And I need to pray about my decisions, pray about what I'm going to do tomorrow. About okay? Something else, reading his word. He said, my words are the bread of life. Read it in study. Read it out loud. Read it in meditation. Meditate on it. Somebody say amen. How else can I uh, have spiritual nourishment? By participating in worship, by coming to church. You're not doing anything if the only reason you're showing up is so somebody sees you. You're here to worship, you're here to witness, and you're here to fellowship. <laughs> the Bible says that the Lord said to John, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. God has something to say to you today. God, give me a heart to receive it because I need spiritual nourishment today. Somebody say amen. Let's stand together. I want you to join with somebody right now beside you. This is challenging lesson. He is the bread of life, but he wants to be your bread. I said he wants to be your bread. Somebody say amen. I said Jesus wants to be your bread, your satisfaction. Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word today. And Lord, I've come to realize in this lesson that there are days in my life that you've made me hungry. Lord, there are times in my life that you made me lonely. There are times in my life that my heart was broken because that's where you wanted me to be. And now I realize, God, that you suffered me to hunger so that I might come to know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Lord, you put me in that place so I would turn to you, not to fix it by myself, but so that I would turn to you. Lord, I prayed for you to lead me. Sometimes I just didn't like where you were leading me. But today I want to say thank you. 
thank you, Lord, for putting me in a place where I could find that you were my only help, that you were my only strength, that you were my only provider. I praise you for that today, Lord. I want to say thank you, Lord. I want to say thank you, Lord, for putting me in a hungry place so that I might know that you're my bread. In Jesus' name. Now I pray, Lord, you put some of these good people in a hungry place. Oh, in the name of Jesus, so that they may know that you're their only hope. In Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. God bless you. Let's have a great main service here in a minute. The preacher in the class went way too long, but hopefully it encouraged you and strengthened you today. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. In Jesus' name.